Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on Sunday, March 26th to 2017. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out on Twitter at MikeSilvaMedia. You can check out the show all the time at MetsMorizedOnline.com. And I'm on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you uh, desire, iTunes, whatever it may be. Hope everybody's doing well, and uh, here we are about a week Tomorrow will be exactly a week before opening day. Uh, earlier today, before the Mets took on uh, the Atlanta Braves down in Port St. Lucie, I had a chance to catch up with Kevin Kerner of the New York Post. had a long conversation with Kevin, some real fun stuff. Uh, we have Kevin on frequently throughout the year and had him on pretty much, I think, right around or right before, right after pitchers and catchers, around that time, early February, to talk a little bit about uh, as he spends the whole uh, – you know, late winter, early spring, down in spring training, Kevin. Talk about what he was expecting to to see out of the Mets, some of the stories he was looking at. And uh, on the way out of spring training, get a feel of, you know, was everything he was looking for fulfilled? And and is there anything else that we haven't been seeing or haven't been talking about? So Kevin joined me earlier. You'll hear that. He did join me before the news about Stephen Matz came out. He did join me before Matt Harvey's outing. So 
we address the pitching staff. You won't hear those specific things, but I think we address uh, ad nauseum the, the, the fact about injuries, and, and he gives a little take on what he needs, to, what we need to see or what he feels needs to be seen from Matt Harvey. Of course, that's the big news uh, coming down You know, recently, earlier today. Stephen Matz will, will miss his next start tomorrow. He'll do some long tossing, and uh, it looks like there's a little tenderness in that, in that elbow. And this is par for the course. You know, certain players, uh, you know, I guess I would use the term injury prone. But uh, at times I really feel that these pitchers today, especially the young pitchers and with the age of information, every ache and pain is reported. Every ache and pain is going to be talked about. Every ache and pain is going to be made to be more than it is. If there's no structural damage, there's tendonitis, don't know what to tell you. I mean, if there's no structural damage, he obviously is not hurt. Tendonitis is something that is going to certainly impact him. There were some reports from the beat writers that scouts had said his last outing, which wasn't a good one, uh, that Matz was not uh, finishing his pitches, and maybe that tendonitis, most likely, if definitely, that tendonitis had something to do with it. Um, but here's the good news. The Mets have plenty of pitching depth, and if you heard Terry Collins after the game, it looks like it's going to come down to Wheeler and Lugo who will battle for that match rotation spot. And the reason for that is that Robert Gazelman, number one, has made the rotation, certainly deserves it. And the second reason for that is that it looks like Matt Harvey kind of is making progress. Now, just less than a week ago, we had a podcast with John Delcos, and we talked about the possibility of you know Harvey maybe staying behind in spring training and uh, you know, that's certainly something that, uh, you know, looks less likely now. Uh, I thought, and, and I watched uh, pretty much all of Harvey's start. The velocity was there. I thought his secondary pitches, he didn't command them all the time, but his secondary pitches were, were, were solid. Uh, let me get you the final line here, if you, if you didn't watch the game. The final line of Harvey was six innings, two runs, a walk, and a strikeout. So you certainly will take that uh, during the regular season. Not a dominant performance, but coming back from the thoracic outlet syndrome, the TOS surgery, you know, hearing that it's a 10-month turnaround, hearing that this is a buildup. If Matt Harvey can give you what he gave you today in a regular season game, then he keeps the Mets competitive. And that's my criteria. Look, you, you don't expect them to be perfect day one. But like I said earlier in the week, you cannot have him going out there like it's extended spring training with games that count. And that's the same thing with Matt's. I'll say the same thing for any of these guys. If Matt's is not ready, and it sounded like there was some skepticism that he would be on the opening day roster, then you got to go with guys who are ready. And if that's uh, Wheeler or Lugo, personally, I think Lugo's a better option. I, I still would like to see Wheeler spend a little bit of time getting himself built up down in extended spring. Uh, then those guys have to go. And, you know, looks like that would be the rotation to start off in April. It probably will not be the rotation that will end the season because I think Stephen Matz is a talented pitcher. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, just has to find a way to stay healthy. And, and maybe at some point the conversation has to be is he's going to have to pitch through some pain, which he did last year. So this is not a criticism. I mean, this is a guy that pitched with, with bone spurs in his elbow and pitched pretty well until it became too much later in the year. The other bit of news, uh, I guess, conversation goes down with the roster. There's been some, some talk about keeping Josh Edgen because if they send Josh Edgen down, he's out of options. They have the possibility of losing him, with Familia most certainly being suspended. And it sounds like it's not going to be a long suspension, but you've got to think it's going to at least be a couple of weeks 
Edgen might be the guy that benefits from that, at least temporarily. It'd be a little bit harder once the rosters are stabilized those first couple of weeks when they send Edgen down for him to be picked up. You never know. I mean, it happens at all times in the season. But April, you know, early April, mid-April, people are, GMs are trying not to mess around with those rosters all that much. There's talk of keeping an extra pitcher. I don't know what that means right now. So I was looking at Terry's comments. I saw there was talk of keeping an extra pitcher. Does that mean 11 or 12? So if it means 12, then there's a very good chance that a Montero or a Seawald, a Paul Seawald, who's pitched well enough to be on the roster this this season. But he's not on the 40-man, so sometimes it comes down to who is the most logical in terms of easiest to put on the roster. The only way I think a Seawald gets on the roster is if you designate someone for assignment like an Eric Godel. That's a name that uh, comes up right now. You would think if, if Montero had a bad spring, it might be him, but he's had a great spring. He's already on the 40-man, so he seems more likely if they were going to take the, the extra pitcher. But the other thing to keep in mind is that you could move David Wright to the 60-day DL, and I almost feel like that's going to happen. But then when Wright comes back, if he comes back, you would have to make a corresponding move, but you kind of worry about that when the time comes. So right now, uh, no familiar opening day. He'll be suspended. You have uh, maybe Edgen in his spot, Reed, Salas, Blevins, uh, Robles, and then Smoker, who had a good outing, and it seems like uh, he's pretty much going to be uh, the second lefty. And if they have Edgen, they'll have three lefties there earlier in the season. So that's to me, that's a really good bullpen. I've heard some pundits. I heard Francesa talking earlier this week how he was worried about the Mets' bullpen. I'm really not. I'm not really worried about Addison Reed. I think Familia will be fine once he comes back. I mean, Salas and Blevins are pretty good uh, in the seventh inning, and, and Blevins as a situational guy. You know, Smoker, to me, continues to impress and continues to, to pitch well. I don't like Robles all that much, but if you want a guy that uh, could certainly be a long guy... Now, here's, here's the um, – and I say long guy. It goes a couple of innings early in the game. I don't like him late innings. Lugo would play into this. So if, if Lugo's not in the rotation, then you put Lugo in there, and, and then that obviously would impact whether Montero uh, or Seawald would make the team because I think Lugo's going to be in there. And you're going to need – and you can see it pretty early on here. You're going to need Lugo in that bullpen to keep it stretched because there's going to be times, inevitably, with Harvey in his situation – with Mats and what you see now with the tendonitis, and maybe even with uh, skipping uh, Syndergaard or one of the other guys at some point for the quote-unquote rest. That's the new thing in sports is rest. Lugo's going to be making some starts. Not that they would go six-man rotation, but double headers, rainouts. Lugo's going to make starts for this team, and he's going to be the guy. Almost uh, how Carlos Torres used to be. The only hope I have is that he doesn't turn into being overused and abused like Carlos Torres was during his tenure. So that's something just to keep an eye on. So they always worry about that. With Worthen and Collins, historically, they have not been uh, very responsible with certain arms, although Lugo would fall into the younger arms category versus the veteran who kind of built his way in. So he might not be the one that would be a candidate for abuse, but you know, at any point in time with those two guys, you know what I've said. Uh, bullpen management, keeping pitchers, uh, you know, healthy through lack of abuse, has not been their uh, has not been their strength. It's funny, it's two di- dichotomies here. You have the too much conservative, every ache and pain reported from uh, you know the guys like Degrom and Matt and Harvey, you know, so on and so forth. And then you have the abuse cases you've seen over the years. You know, the lefty situational lefties and 
Torres and guys like that. So anyway, it'll be interesting how the roster, uh, and, and I'll do a real quick before I uh, break and we hear the, uh, the Kernan interview. Uh, you obviously are going to keep the two catchers. Uh, you have the five infielders. So uh, you right now, right now you have uh, Cabrera, Duda, Flores, Reyes, Neil Walker. I put put Rivera as a highly likely T.J. Rivera making the team. Uh, like I said, the two catchers, Darno and uh, Rene Rivera, and then you have the four outfielders: Bruce Cespedes, Granderson, and maybe Lagares. If Lagares is out, then Conforto takes over for Lagares. And then it's a matter at that point. So you've got 6, 8, 12, 13, 11 pitchers is 24 who gets the last spot. I, I don't know if Nimmo's hamstring will allow him to make the team. A point was made by the um, by a caller on WFAN earlier today that they really don't have a lefty bat off the bench, and Nimmo would be that guy because uh, he would be the guy to be the lefty bat off the bench, because you really don't want Conforto to be that guy. So it'll be really interesting how the roster shakes out as you go here into this final week. I'm ready for spring training to end. I'm ready for the regular season. I don't really know much more to talk about other than previewing the division a little bit, playing around with the roster. I mean, there's a little obviously Harvey and Matt gave us a little bit of news today. But essentially with Kern and I, I went into the, 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 the same narrative that, hey, ready for this to start, spring training's too long, get a little bit about the WBC and his thoughts, and, and also took a little interesting wrinkle where, you know, keeping an eye across town with the Yankees, the Yankees have some very young, interesting young players, and maybe you're starting to see these two teams uh, get a little juice later on this year when they play the Subway Series, because it's been lacking for a long time. I would say the better part of about six or seven years. Uh, it's been lacking. And a lot of that has to do with the Mets weren't very good. The Yankees declined. The Yankees kind of became a somewhat mediocre veteran team. There wasn't that connection like in the late 90s, turn of the century, where there was that rivalry with Bobby Valentine and Joe Torre. You never know. Right now, and, and I know that the, the nature of these organizations with Cashman, Girardi, Alderson, Collins is to downplay it, and it's, not, it's another game and not really get amped up. But similar to what I say all the time with the WBC, those are now games that are test games, just like the Nationals. There's always a test series. And, yeah, you have to play every day, and you have to you know, play it at bat, inning by inning. You know, baseball is a very rote, grind it out, you know, not look too far ahead sport. That's how you're successful, and then you build something up. But there are times where you need to take it to the next level, and there are certain series that, to me, are test series. Not series that will, you know, end your season or mean that you can't compete, but tells me exactly that you're ready to compete at a higher level. And sometimes because of the energy, energy level of the Subway Series, that series is something to take a look at and can be one of those touch points throughout the season where you say, where is this team at? Including the, the natural times, like with the Nationals and the Cubs, they play the Dodgers or the Giants or teams like that, that most, most certainly you think would be in contention. So anyway, uh, I'm going to take a quick break. And when we return, uh, you'll hear from Kevin Kern. And like I said, I caught up with Kevin before the Mets took on the Braves today in Port St. Lucie. And we'll get into a bunch of stuff. Didn't get into the Mats and Harvey stuff because it happened before the, 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 the game. But we talked about Harvey anyway. And I think it's very pertinent, uh, his answer. And obviously, Stephen Match, I think, falls into the whole uh, if they stay healthy kind of situation. And uh, I personally, if I hear no structural damage, I'm not really sure that there's all that much 
to talk about other than maybe giving them a little bit more time. And uh, at some point, I think the Mets need to really just maybe not say as much or not report every aching pain that these guys have. Because there's no structural damage. He's got tendonitis, uh, shot, rest. I mean, those things usually just uh, just passed. I mean, that that's the way the human body works. So anyway, let's take a break. When I return, you'll hear from Kevin Kern of the New York Post right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back and uh, with us, and he joined us earlier this spring, is Kevin Kern of the New York Post, sports columnist. He's been covering spring training. You could check him out on Twitter at Where's Kernan? Uh, Kevin, uh, five weeks into spring training, are you tired of the sunsets and the good food and the good weather? And uh, it is a bit of a, the monotony part of spring with baseball. Are you tired of it? Are you ready to come back up north to uh, the grind and the reality? Uh, not, not ready for the weather, but definitely ready to get out of spring training. I mean, it's a beautiful where I'm at right now. It's a beautiful sun, 70 degrees, sunny. And uh, it's really been, I got to say this, Mike, I'm not trying to, rubbing in anybody's face up north, but it's been the best spring training weather I've ever seen in Florida, Arizona, Florida. This year was by far the best spring training weather ever. And um, it, uh, But it is, it's it's way too long. I mean, way too long uh, for a thousand reasons. Uh, and, and the players are ready to go about a week ago, and same for me. I mean, it's just too much now. and It's a waste of time, and I don't know why they... I know this year was the WBC, but they really need to shorten spring training. And and that's a great way, perfect segue into my first point. You've been, and I've seen you on Twitter, you've been more pro-WBC. The tournament is uh, over 10 years old now, and uh, I would say this is the first year I actually was more engaged with it, uh, even though I've, at times I've, I've tried to you know cover the sport from a professional perspective. Um, the only criticism I could say, Kevin, and I know it's beautiful out in San Diego, the weather, but those 10 o'clock starts, I think, took a little bit away from the later rounds. Um, but give your point of view here. Uh, it's a success, and uh, it seems like it's something that may have some potential to get bigger as we get into the you know tournaments down the road and what have you. Yeah, I've been a, a huge proponent of it, really. I, the things the things that I back usually are worth backing. When I worked in San Diego, I was like one of the few guys in the media who pushed for Petco Park because my argument basically was the politicians are going to get our money anyway. Let's at least get a ballpark out of it where they, you can take your kids to a game. And uh, same thing with the WBC. You know, I, I covered the first three. Uh, we didn't cover this one this year because I was busy with Mets and Yankees stuff. But it's it's a tremendous event, and you have to go there to really appreciate it because, again, the the, the the country's 
the sense of pride that they have in watching their players play together as a unit. It's almost like the, the way I can best describe it, and it's on a much larger level, so just so people understand it. But anyone with, that had kids that played baseball, if their kids make the all-star team and then they, they play for the all-star team, there's a sense of pride. Uh, and that's, that's what the WBC is. My first time I saw the WBC, uh, Carlos Beltran in the BC, uh, he had just an unbelievable game, unbelievable series. And I told him, I said, geez, now I know why everybody's talking about it. Now I know you're really this good. Because he just stepped it up a notch. And especially the players from Dominican and Puerto Rico, and even the United States guys, they stepped it up a notch. And it's fun. It's a fun March tournament. And, uh, you know, I'm all for it. And uh, hopefully the uh, some of the Major League players are just such babies uh, who go for it a little bit more. And, you know, Kevin, you've been covering baseball a long time. I always felt in the early days of interleague play, when the Mets would play the Yankees, those games were big, you know, middle of the season. And at least for the Mets, not so much for the Yankees, it was a good opportunity to take their uh, season to another level, almost prepare for a postseason run, you know, put players in a different level of, uh, of pressure and see how they respond. Uh, do you feel that some of the players uh, uh, that were in this tournament uh, experienced something like that in March and for maybe a Seth Lugo, a TJ Rivera, guys that normally would be just getting – couple of at-bats and playing in meaningless games, maybe that will help them as we get into the baseball season. Absolutely. It's going to raise their confidence level, too, because they're on the stage with the best in the world. And, and uh, you know, I did something early on Seth Lugo early, early, early. It might have been even been late, you know, very first week of February. And I was letting fans know that this guy has a real chance there. He's a different kind of guy. He's one of these guys that anything he does, he does really well. Like one of his teammates told me, he picks up a guitar and all of a sudden he's playing the guitar. You know, he, he can do anything. He's a very talented young man. And, um, you know, I think we've seen that and I think it will help him and definitely T.J. Rivera. Now, I haven't TJ, seen T.J. since he came back, but he's such an excited – he loves the game anyway. He's good for a clubhouse. Uh, he'll be good for the Mets. He's an enthusiastic uh, player. So uh, this will make them better players. And I know people get carried away about the injuries, but you know what? Injuries happen no matter what. And as long as you're kind of smart, and even Didi's injury happened, it happened, you know, he, you know, it happened in an exhibition game. It wasn't a, a real WBC game, so it's not like he ramped. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good experience. These guys will learn from it. They'll be better players from it. And they have something that they'll, uh, you know, they, they build bonds with other players. So, for example, T.J. Rivera, he may be able to call on a Carlos Beltran uh, later in the year when he sees him, or, or I'm sure it'll stay in touch for like maybe some hitting tips and, and things like that. So I see no downside to the WBC. Any opportunity to take it to the next level in the sense where maybe, and I know shutting the season down for two weeks in the middle of the year would be controversial, but um, you know, what do you think? Is there a way to take this where it's in the summer, uh, you know, you get a little bit of better network coverage in the sense where you can maybe have it in the, in, a, in the time zone that the East Coast could 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 not have to wait till 10 o'clock. Uh, it may add a little uh, amped up, uh, you know, energy. The All-Star game stinks. I mean, it's not the same, Kevin, so it's not like you're taking away from that every four years. Uh, any thoughts on how you would improve it to get it to the next level uh, if you feel it needs to go to that level? No, I wouldn't. I don't have a change. You make a good point, the and they can do it now. I mean, uh, it was ridiculous starting those games at 10 o'clock Eastern. I mean, you can start them any time out west. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know what that was about. 
maybe that's something about uh, maybe they did, did some studies and I'm sure it's a, the TVs wanted it at that time, but it's their own network. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's ridiculous starting them that late. But I would I would not move the WBC time wise. I would not put it at the All Star game because I think then, to be quite frank, you'd have a chance for major injury. Uh, guys were exhausted at that point anyway. A lot of times they need the All Star break for what it used to be a break. The problem with the All Star game now, Mike, is that they got these guys doing so much stuff from the time they get there. You know, it's a nonstop event. So it's good to do it. It's fun to do it. But the game itself, I agree with you. It's nothing like it used to be. It stinks. I'm, I'm, I've covered all the also games, too, for the most part. And I'll tell you right now, I will not. I would not miss it if they tell me I'm not going to Miami this year. I think the also game is almost past its prime in a lot of different ways. And I don't even know if we need it anymore. And, um, and I think that the players themselves, need a break at that time of year but the WBC is a great time of year I wouldn't I wouldn't bring it like a like a, a quarterfinals and have the W I think you lose all momentum and things like that so it's here to stay and they sell a lot of gear could be worse you could be covering the NBA all-star game think about that oh my god <laughs> or the NBA or the NBA's phone <laughs> I have with me Kevin Kern in New York Post at Where's Kernan uh, down in sunny Florida wrapping up spring training and figured Hey, we, we kicked off uh, early February talking to Kevin and, and getting his thoughts as we headed into spring. Why not get the thoughts as, as the spring training uh, uh, grind is coming to an end? So, Kevin, going into spring training, you, you had some uh, thoughts on the Mets. You spent some time there. I know you've been down in Tampa with the Yankees as well. Um, uh, coming out of Port St. Lucie now, over a month after spending some time there, have your thoughts changed? Are the things that you were focused on still the same things you're focused on? Where are you at with the Mets now compared to maybe where you were earlier in the spring? Well, I think the Mets really having the biggest thing that I saw was Cespedes being in better shape, being mentally prepared to really be a star this year. I expect them to be MVP actually, and I I think between Syndergaard and Cespedes, you have the two guys, the tandem that can carry the Mets into the playoffs. So you have two monsters there. And, um, you know, now the other guys got to just uh, do their thing. DeGrom is better than, you know, DeGrom looks better, way better than last year. He'll be, he'll be a force. Uh, they, you know, you obviously have your uh, issues with David Wright, but we knew going in that if he can't throw, he can't play. It's really that simple. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. But, uh, yeah, the Mets will be fine. They'll be solid. Uh, um, you know, it's, it was a typical Mets spring. They were a little some little quirky things, but what always happens, you know, starting off with the Tebow stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think the Mets are, you know, I think the Mets are, and Washington's better too. One thing I noticed that, you know, fans better be prepared for is that, the, you know, Harper looks bigger, stronger, and more geared for this year. So I think, uh, you know, he had that shoulder injury last year. I think that really affected him. I think he's uh, he, he's uh, he's in, he's in much better shape this year, ready to ready to rock and roll, so I think it'll be a big-time year for him. And I think that it's almost like the the Nationals will have that attitude, like uh, pretty much uh, the end of the line, because we're going to change pretty soon with work and other guys leaving. So I think the Nationals will be, in in that respect, uh, you know, a little bit more focused. The Yankees, um, you know, there's some of the kids, you know, I, I love Torres, the kid, Libertor Torres. I talked to Reggie about him the other day. Um I think that the kid who came up from the Cubs, he's going to be a future star. I think he'll be a third baseman, that's my guess, or, or maybe second. But he seems to have a third baseman's body to me. Um, so I think that's the plan. I think the plan is to move him in there 
two years when Headley is basically done and um, or, or move Castro over or whatever. But uh, the Yankee young talent's got to come through. Aaron Judge, those guys. Tyler Way, very impressed with him as a He's kind of a rock. He, he reminds me of a Chris Gomez type shortstop. Um, you know, he's very steady. Uh, out security is what they call it. And, of course, uh, Greg Bird wrote about him this week. And, um, you know, Reggie termed, uh, gave me a term which I ran with, and I think you'll see more of it now in the future, just like uh, fast speed and exit velocity. But Reggie pointed out that, that uh, Mr. Bird has barrel accuracy, and that's been lost hmm. in the sauce with all these, uh, you know, with all the newfangled uh, uh, GMs, uh, Ivy League GMs, assistant GMs, and their friends in the front office trying to make everything a spreadsheet, not baseball, and everybody can you know, quantify bat, bat speed. But it's like uh, Reggie said to me, bat speed's great, but, you know, it's bat speed. What the heck? You need to make contact on a solid part of the bat with the ball. And that's what Greg Bird does. That's why those balls boom, you know. And the, the amazing thing for Bird, when he hit those 11 home runs two years ago, he, he told me his shoulder was never right that year. So I think we're seeing a, a you know, we got a chance here to see a real uh, star emerge in Greg Bird. So I, I, I'm really up on him. Yankees pitching still scares the heck out of me. Uh, Pineda, I'm so tired of talking about Pineda. The same story over and over and writing about him. Um, he just can't seem to, whenever, when something goes wrong, he can't react to it. That's the problem with Pineda. Because that's the problem, Mike, with a lot of pitchers these days, because they baby them so much, force them to learn how to become pitchers, that they just go with their stuff and they don't know how to pitch. And I think the Yankees have a few guys in that category. So uh, Tanaka, uh, one, one thing I noticed about Tanaka, definitely better shape than he was in last year. I mean, that's that, that really struck me looking at his body and, uh, you know, he's, he worked out more this winter. He, he's clearly, to me, he's gearing gearing up to opt out. I mean, uh, I expect him to opt out, opt out, and uh, who knows where he winds up. But uh, he looks very good. Do you think, after seeing both these clubs, and it's less of importance as we go into the season, but is there an opportunity to maybe get some more juice back to the Subway Series? I mean, we talked about the WBC. The Subway Series over the last, I'd say, three, four years has definitely lost a lot of luster. Maybe that, that has to do with people getting tired of just the interleague concept, but like I said, back in the 90s, and I understand it's a totally different team back then because of the way the Yankees were and who they were and Bobby V and things like that, it was always a good mid-season, almost postseason type of warm-up, and it'd be nice to maybe get some of that back, but I, I don't know if you can, but the Yankees being young and a little bit different, maybe there's an opportunity there with the Yankee-Met thing kind of you know, rekindling a little bit. Well, the Yankees players, these younger players, will play with much more enthusiasm than you saw in the past. Well, that will bring it up a notch. The problem you have is you don't have Bobby V. Terry's always down talking to, you know, just another series. Same thing with Girardi for the most part, although Girardi from better about it. And then, um, and you don't have Steinbrenner around. Steinbrenner used to make it important. You know, George, the boss. And uh, so I think uh, in a lot of ways, it is uh, it is just another series. It's a nice, but I got to say, to cover it, um, you know, when it comes around, it's it's, it's a fun thing because, again, once again, you can feel the energy rise, and that's what it's all about, the energy rising. And I think as a team, the Yankees' energy will rise this year with some of the players they have. And, uh, you know, it'd be great to see Judge play well. And I think the uh, same thing with the Mets. I want to see Conforto come around this year. You know, I, I, I love his swing. I think he's going to be fine, and um, they can find spots for him, and that's – 
And the Mets aren't going to need as much as the Yankees because their pitching is so dominant. I've seen all the teams out in Florida and, um, you know, watch some of the other ones on TV over in uh, Arizona. No staff compares, compares to the Mets staff. It's really that simple, Mike. That'd be uh, one of those 1960s staffs that were pretty good, you know, four deep. Uh, you know, the Orioles, the Dodgers. I'm not comparing to Sandy Koufax and those guys, but it's a deeper staff than anybody else has. The big question will be that closer role for me. Uh, when he gets back or whatever. And uh, Addison Reed, I think he's more geared for a setup and no closer. But uh, I think the starters are really going to try to commit themselves to go a little bit longer to make it a little bit easier on the bullpen as well. And and actually not in your paper, but in the competing paper, John Harper talked about the depth. And uh, I know you would agree here. Uh, uh, Robert Gazelman a year ago, Seth Lugo a year ago, we just mentioned him. Who would have thought that they were viable depth? You know, the Mets are able to let Bartolo Colon walk, even though they probably, in theory, could have used a veteran arm. But you've got Wheeler. And now, you know, Kevin, I don't like him because I've never seen much of him at the big league level that tells me he's a pitcher. Uh, but Rafael Montero's starting to learn a little bit here. Still walks way too many batters. I think still nibbles a little bit too much. But uh, who knows? You know, the depth here, Rick Peterson always has told me, you need 10 pitchers going into the season that you could count on for some – actual viable starts not just a warm body uh you got about eight or nine right now and none of them are these like veterans that you're trying to just find magic in a bottle they're young guys who have good arms who are viable uh assuming they're all healthy yeah and montero that's a good one to bring up maybe he's learning how to pitch a little because that's the key you they make adjustments so you got to adjust back and montero you know he's obviously got some stuff uh he has trouble against uh, the, the real major leaguers because they know how to work the yeah, at-bat, and that's what he's got to overcome. Uh, same thing with Severino. You know, I compare it to Severino on the other side. Um, uh, but, but yeah, with this kind of talent, pitching talent, and it's, it's funny, too, you know, Syndergaard is, you know, he's rooming with Gazelman this year. He referred to him last weekend when I was there. And my son, Robert Gazelman, so he's really taking him under his wing. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and that's the thing that the Mets have that, and and the Yankees do too in Tanaka. They have that one kind of ace guy, but Syndergaard is a, you know, he's going to lead by example for this team, and I think uh, uh, that's you know he's going to set a tone. He can't wait to beat the Nationals. Like I, I think they also match up the Mets just the way they're built. I think they match up very well with the Cubs. They're not afraid of the Cubs at all. So if they get to meet them in the postseason, I, I think it'll be uh, it'll be a great series for the Mets. Matt Harvey's starting later today, and uh, obviously he's been a topic of conversation. Uh, a couple of ways I look at it, Kevin. First off, if a guy's throwing 94, 95, I understand command, control, secondary pitches. It's not just about velocity. But if that's what everyone's worried about, to me it, it's a bigger picture. 94, 95, Keith Hernandez says this all the time, that's plenty of velocity. Um, but he's coming back from a serious injury, second serious injury. Uh, depending on what he does today, I mean, I, I'm not of the mindset he has to be in the rotation day one. We just talked about that depth. Uh, what are you looking for for Matt Harvey? To, I think he's got today's start, maybe one more, uh, that makes you feel like, hey, this is a guy that should be in the rotation day one. I don't want them to put him in there and work himself into baseball uh, shape in April. They can't afford to throw games away. You mentioned the Nationals recently. Uh, and even at the bottom of the division, the teams are not going to give them gimme games. It's, 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 every game's going to be tough. Um, so what are you looking for from him to say, hey, uh, yeah, he can make starts and be competitive and maybe not be Matt Harvey 2013, but be the Matt Harvey uh, somewhere in between that gives the Mets a chance to win every night? 
Well, I, I've been saying all along that Matt Harvey needs time, and and that's the one thing that Matt Harvey has to give himself time too. He's uh, he's got to understand the, the seriousness of this surgery, where he's coming from, and I would not rush Matt Harvey or Zach Wheeler one bit. If even if they didn't like it, I'm, I would if I if I thought I had better options there. I would I would keep them down for extended spring and let them come around that way, and um, um, that that that's a decision for the Mets front office. But if you rush Matt Harvey right now, wrong right into the mix and have him work his way through it, like you say, I think that's a mistake. I, you have depth, use it. You know, I always say keep it simple, stupid when it comes to uh, you know making decisions of baseball, and that's the biggest even in in sports and Super Bowls and stuff like that. I mean, basically, the last two Super Bowls were won because the opposing team, uh, the, the Patriots' last two victories were because the opposing team acted stupid and tried to do something really stupid at the end. And, um, you know, I, I think the same thing happens in baseball. You just keep it simple, work these guys back slowly, and use your depth. And plus, here's the other thing. Seth Lugo has already pitched at WBT game, so he's ramped it up more. He knew he was – I talked to him, um, you know, uh, early February, and he he knew he was going into WBC with a purpose, so he had he had ramped up his workouts earlier, so he's ready to go in a situation like this. So it's uh to me it would be, you know, I think the biggest mistake the Mets could do right now is is kind of rush Matt Harvey, and by rushing him, I mean putting him in a position where he thinks he can't fail, and as a result, I think it's it's going to slow down his progress. I think it'd be better to take him along slow. And uh, to me, there's no point with keeping them back. What do you think about the rest of the division? You mentioned the Nationals. Uh, the Braves look like they, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be a contender, but I don't think they're going to be pushovers. Uh, they got some veterans there. Uh, you know, the Phillies. You hear about some of the the young players in AAA, and and you have the Marlins with Don Mattingly, and and you never could figure out what you're going to get there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Uh, of the rest you know, there's still a hangover yeah. effect. They they lost a. a no, not at yeah. all. You don't think that they're going to be plucky teams? That you think it's really Mets Nationals and the Mets could, if they do, they stay healthy and, and and do the right thing, could beat up a little bit on the other three guys. Yeah, the, and and the the thing, the problem I have with the Marlins, you have a sale going on with the ownership that always filters its way to the team because guys start thinking about me instead of us because they know ownership is changing. Um, and, and again, they have that. They do. They have the hangover effect. They. Their pitching is not as good as, they, as it should be, I don't think. Um, um, they can, now, they always have seem to have the Mets numbers. They always play the Mets tough, so you got to consider that. But but uh, I, I, what I've seen in the Phillies, I am not excited at all. I'm not excited at all. The young talent doesn't excite me. What they're doing doesn't excite me. I think they're going to be total pushovers. And, um, and, and, and the Braves, their offense, I, very, I find very questionable at this point. And I don't think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to be uh, contenders or anything close to it. And I could be wrong there, but I think it's going to be a Mets national division and they need to beat up on the uh, lower half of the division. Travis Darno, are we making too much of the throwing situation? I mean, he wasn't that bad a couple of years ago, had the, the shoulder injury last year, hitting much better this spring. I always think back to the nineties, Kevin, when Charlie O'Brien came in, I know I'm dating myself. I'm going way back and, you had Rick Cerrone, Charlie O'Brien, Mackie Sasser. You know, one pitcher wanted Charlie O'Brien. Another guy wanted Cerrone. Nobody wanted Sasser. Sasser was the best hitter but couldn't throw. Now, I'm not saying Darno was Mackie Sasser, but it's an interesting thing because Rene Rivera has some skills, 
that Darno obviously doesn't have, uh, and vice versa. You almost want to clone the two. Um, catching is a big part. Catch and throw guys are important, but you need a bat. You can't have uh, too many automatic outs in a lineup. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems to be becoming a story, this Darno throwing and what have you. Yeah, I, I... I go all the way back to the 60s, so I got skated by about 30 years. And, uh, yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, and, and do I know? I made it, you know, I actually, I noticed it early in camp, and I wrote about it in one of the things we call, sometimes I wind up doing the training day thing that went to the post as well. And I made a I made a big deal about it. The first throw that he made of camp, I noticed he double-clutched, and the runner was safe. And that's what I'm seeing. There's not necessarily the throwing. He's double-clutching. He's he, it's almost like he should got to tell his arm what to do. And that yep. tells me with Sherlock, the new coach, they've been going over so much stuff that he's um, thinking too much, and none of this is coming naturally to him until that happens. Like, even the other day, it was, it was a, two starts ago for Syndergaard, and, the, um, and I stayed back for the minor league start. started against some Cardinals double-A uh, guys, I think they were, and uh, – it really caught my eye that day as well that he he actually got back with in my mind and he needs to really keep working on this going though because there was a stolen base from a minor leaguer and I know the ball went straight to center field it wasn't even close I mean you know so he's missing big time so he he must be going through all these things in his head until he gets to that point it's going to be a problem and they get they better clean it up quickly because. You know, these things always seem to get worse, not better, if you don't clean it up quickly. So we'll see where it goes with Darno. I like Darno's bat a lot. It's a lot to do. He's changed his swing. He's changing his throwing mechanics. That's a lot in one year. This is why catching is so hard, and this is why Gary Sanchez is so good. I mean, uh, I got a big piece coming out on him in the email, you know, our post-preview, whenever that runs, right before the season usually. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing not only what he's doing, but how he matches up, you know, how, you know, historical, or, or, you know, what he's capable of, uh, the people think he can do in historical, uh, you know, proportions considering the Yankees' history of catching. And uh, so Darnell has to, uh, whatever he's doing wrong, and, uh, you know, as soon as I see them, I'll be with the mess early in the season. You know, I'll have a chat with him. He, he has a tendency to kind of say everything's right when um, – you know, and and he he's such a he's such a good kid, and he works very hard. I think he just uh, I think he's going through some things, you know, mentally that are affecting his mechanics, and he's he's going to have to smooth that out. And you know, Kevin, you start with Michael Conforto. Today's day and age, there's so many coaches, so much data. Yeah. Um, and and even in the, in the newspaper business, it's it's at a point where if I'm a player okay. or anything, you have to say, okay, what do I need? What do I not need? You have a lot of well-intentioned people walking around that clubhouse in the front office. Um, at some point, you got to say, this is my process. This is how I've gotten here, and go about it. And you worry, because I saw with Conforto, it was, you know, he goes down, he's working with Backman, he, you know, then he goes back up, he's with Long, and it's, it's, it's back and forth. And then you got Darno with the special catching instructor. You worry that we're going down this path again, and you've seen it with a, a young hitter last year, and the Mets just can't afford that black hole, or else they're going to have to go out and get a catcher, and that is not easy as you saw last year with uh, trying to get Jonathan Lucroy. And it's expensive, too. Let's, let's face it. Yeah, that's why, I'm, I, I, that's why I'm, you know, I think so I know, you know, it's up to him to straighten it out, and I think he's capable of it. So I'm not ready to go down that path yet. But, yeah, that, it's, it's, there's too many, there's too many, too many chefs in all, in all walks, of course, baseball now. And part of that is because the upper management is forcing these guys on people. And, and um, you know, uh, it, it, 
you got too many people in your ear. And, and if you step back and look at it, too, that's these guys that are telling you how to hit with 240 hitters themselves. Now, they may be good coaches, but there, there may be some that when you get – one thing I've noticed, about, and again, I've, I've been around the game a long time, if you have too much information, that's a problem. And I think we're in the age of baseball sometimes where there's too much information for the athletes to, to really respond to. Now, it's great to have all the information you need to make decisions, but these guys don't need to have every little, you know, every little thing going on. And, and um, I, I also think, and you've seen this, I, I would not be surprised if it takes, you know, a period of time for Sherlock and Darno to, to click and, and to make all those adjustments. Because it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. And then if you try to rush it, it becomes worse. So there's a there's a little too much emphasis on, on detail. Sometimes you just got to go out there, you know, and, and play. I, I was taught many years ago, this was one of the great sayings, and I've related to players through the years, and they, they enjoy it when I mention to them. I, and it, the question is, uh, it goes back to Yogi Berra type style, but the, the saying is, if you think, you stink. And I think if you think too much in baseball, you can stink. And uh, and I think that's where some of these, you know, these guys got to avoid that trap. Uh, absolutely. So what are we going to get out of you the rest of spring? You know, we, we're, we're going to miss the photos of the sunset, you know, your lunch places. If anybody ever wants to go down to Florida, you could just go to your uh, Twitter feed, make a couple of notes. You know, you, 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 you have to, Kevin, you have the baseball. You might need to start your own blog of like a spring training blog of some sort. You might have a lot of hits on that. You might make a few extra bucks. You never know. What do you, yeah, I think you uh, I, I'm going to have to ask you for some advice on that to get that rolling down the road. But, uh, to, to not a lot of money in it. <laughs> Make sure you have a full-time <laughs> job. There's not a lot of money in the business. you got to have a full-time cash cow if you want to pay the bills, you know? Exactly. That's the way it is in life these days. But uh, I do think, that, to be quite frank, I think there's a huge opening for, for um, like, this, this that kind of coverage plus information on young players because – it seems like there's more interest now in young players than ever before, and, um, and and the fans can't get enough of that. That's why, if you notice a lot of my stories this year too, I wasn't afraid to write about the young players and where they're from and what they're coming, you know, what they're going through and, uh, and and things like that. And also, who who really is good and who's not. You see it when you're out there. I mean, I went and visited Clinton. One of the first things we talked about last time was Clint Frazier, my visit to him in Atlanta, and I pointed out, I said. This kid's got a lot of talent. I think he has some maturity levels that he has to overcome, and I think the rest of the world saw saw that this spring. So I, I know what I'm talking about. And I know what I see, and um, you know, especially when it comes. Actually, I just had a great breakfast myself, so I'm actually doing an R, a little R and R this week. But then you're gonna, we're gonna get right into it. You know, we're gonna have um, you know every day pretty much with baseball between the Yankees and Mets. You know, the post nobody covers it like the post, and we'll be we'll be flying into it and. Uh, but I do think there's almost we've reached the point now where uh, you know let's get it going, let's let's make these games real because these players too. The other thing they do is uh, some of these guys. That's why I don't like I, I don't pay attention to a lot of like stats. Certainly not in spring training. I look at what I'm seeing with my eyes, like the Dorno throwing, or uh, you know what, what I'm seeing in the uh, you know with the. Glaber, the, 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 his confidence and the way he reacts in the clubhouse, his maturity level. Uh, that's what I see in spring training. I don't rely on stats and numbers. I'm not going to get carried away with them. Although the Chris Carter stat is pretty amazing in the strikeouts. And, um, and, and I think that's uh, now we're going to see how it plays on the next stage because there's always, 
like Hubie Brown told me many, many years ago about basketball. He was saying basically there's four seasons in basketball, the preseason, the regular season, and then the, the stretch of the regular season, and then the playoffs. And the same thing with baseball. We're, we're about to step into a new season. We'll see what players can uh, step up. And I'll tell you, I'll leave you with this. This is the first time that you can say both the Mets and the Yankees have a lot of young players at the same time that are very interesting. Mets might be a little bit further along, but I don't remember in the last 25, 30 years where they are more closely aligned, uh, although you, I guess you would give the Mets a little edge. Um, but the Yankees have some really interesting young players, as you said, and it could be fun. It might get that juice back. It's good when both teams are good. The coverage is better, in my opinion, Kevin. The buzz around baseball is better. And it makes your job a lot more fun, let's face it. I, I just one last thought before I let you go. I figured I'd throw out there. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We always, that's why people always say, well, you're, the media is negative, blah, blah, blah. We want to cover good teams because more people read us and more pe- it's more fun to be around. You know, and to your point, I was talking to a scout the other day about the Yankees, and he told me, and this guy covers a lot of the minor leagues, the Yankees. You know, that's, that's his main deal. And he said, you know, I was sending him my reports, and I, and I checked off, I think, he, I think the number was 12. He had 12 Yankee minor leaguers that he, he, you know, plus, plus guys, you know. And um, he says, that's I, I've never done that with the Yankees. So wow. there's a whole, uh, you know, there's a lot coming for the Yankees. The Yankee fans have to be patient. And and I think they will be. I think they've reached that point. And, uh, and uh, you know, these, you know, even little things, you know, Tyler Wade, you know, he's not the greatest, you know, he's, he's going to struggle. They're going to have some struggle hitting. Uh, with their shortstop, no matter who they have there right now, filling in for Didi, because Didi was such an important part. But, but at least they have the opportunity to go down to the minors now and, and pick up a player. They never had that before. They've rebuilt the farm system. They've done some good jobs scouting. And, you know, uh, one player we didn't mention, but, you know, Caprian, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does down the road as well for the, for the Yankees. So, And that's the difference between the Yankees and the Mets. The Mets just have so many, because so many of those arms that were held over from the previous administration really blossomed, giving more space to Sandy to go out and get a Syndergaard and, and develop some other players. So it's almost a combination of two, two, uh, two factors for the Mets, and that's why they have so much pitching. And uh, and whereas the Yankees, uh, you know, they're still they're still struggling in that respect. But I do think the Yankees need to take the leap and and really. Um, have confidence in young players and roll them out there and let them play together. Because the final thought, one thing I've noticed with the Yankees is that they uh, these young guys play together as a team and want to win. And I think the Mets got that going for them. I think Syndergaard sets the tone there as wanting them to win. Winning is the most important thing. And that's why I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's why the Mets will be in great, you know, good shape this year and the Yankees are coming. And that's why I like one last, the last point I want to make is, you know, I thought the best move of the offseason, a lot of people may disagree with me, but I, I, I think, at least for right now, I think getting Chris Sale for the Red Sox was a great addition because this guy's all about winning. And that's that's the uh, sixth tool that's been lost, the guys that want to win for their team and not just uh, you know want to do it for uh, the fantasy deal. Remember while you're out today in the nice weather down there that there's a lot of people reading you and reading your Twitter feed. And I don't know if you're on Instagram, we put those pictures on that that are sitting in 50 degree and rainy weather. So I feel a little sorry for them, Kevin, while you enjoy the rest of spring training. But um, I, I appreciate uh, a very generous of your time today. Thanks a lot. I'll catch up with you during the season and a uh, big fan and we enjoy your work here. So keep it up and uh, let's keep in touch. All righty. 
You got it, Mike. Always a pleasure. And uh, remember, I, I don't. I'm on Instagram as well. Where's turning? And uh, I don't gloat. I goat. You know, greatest of all time. <laughs> greatest of all time. That's right, Kevin. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take. Bye bye, Mike. Kevin Kernan of the New York Post at Where's Kernan on Twitter. I enjoy him. I know some people get angry with Kevin. Some of the because he's anti. He's not really anti-stat. He's he's, he's pro common sense. I like him, and maybe it's uh, you know, maybe I'm from a different generation, but I love talking to Kevin Kernan. He's always been good to me. He's always been good to this program. And uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, if you're not following him uh, or reading his columns at the New York Post, go do that now. That's a, a Sunday assignment here. And, uh, and you know, there's really not a heck of a lot if you're a baseball fan. I mean, you, the tournament today, uh, you know, you got that. It's a lazy Sunday. Maybe you're a fan of The Walking Dead. That's coming to an end. Uh, maybe you have some other, uh, you know, Sunday entertainment you got going on. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, check out Kevin Kernan. And uh, I'm ready for the regular season. Like I said in the open, I'm ready for it. Uh, I kind of losing a little steam on how to, even from a show perspective, like I said, it, just losing a little steam on how to really put together the most entertaining and best product. But next week we will do a little bit of a preview show. I'm working on that, see what kind of guests I can get for that and uh, get a perspective of the rest of the division. I wasn't really able to, I wanted to do some of those segments throughout the spring. So what I'm going to try to do is get somebody who has a good feel. Kevin obviously does. And we talked a little bit about that today, but a good feel of the rest of the division uh, the rest of the league and get a, a sense of, uh, you know, who, you know, who could we look towards? Obviously, other than the Nationals and Cubs, uh, Dodgers, the obvious teams, Giants, I'll throw in there too. Who else is is someone that we need to look at as a possible uh, contender? As you look at, you know, as a Mets fan, how this thing's going to shape out, what's going to happen, so on and so forth. So anyway, want to thank everybody for joining me today. Of course, I want to thank uh, Kevin Kernan at Where's Kernan on Twitter. You can check him out there, New York Post, NYPost.com. You can check me out all the time at MetsmerizeOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can check me out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If I'm not on one, tell me. I'll get on there. Thanks a lot, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. See you next week for our opening day preview show. Take care.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.